the name of the Father and Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Absolve me, Abuna, please. And forgive me, my uh, my masters and my teachers. You know, uh, if I'm going to say something that uh, a bit strong, take it with love, right? <laughs> okay. Actually, today I wanted to talk about something about the service itself. Everybody sitting in this room right now in the church is a servant, right? And we need to talk about the service and the servant. Some of us have started that being a servant while they were like a teenager or like in high school or college or so, and some of us started the service later on in life. It doesn't matter. That's not the, you know, the judgment of how many years I've been in the service. But how the service is done, this is the most important thing. How am I feeling? How am I serving myself as a servant? Am I doing this for my own benefit? Or am I doing this for the benefit of who's being served? Or am I doing this for God's benefit of the church, building the church itself? All of these just thoughts, just breaking the ice right now. So if we may talk and specifically... I wanted to get, there is a big, enormous difference between the religious knowledge and the service. I may have read so many books, and I know knowledge of something about the church, something about God, something about the service. I read the Bible, and I have lots of knowledge. And I come to the church and talk to the kids of first, second grade, or even high schoolers, or bigger. But am I serving them or not? Let's get to that. What is the religious teaching? And I mean the word teaching. Even when we offer it in a spiritual manner, this teaching tends to focus on the shape or the assembly of the mind or the thoughts that I put in somebody's mind. It's academic thought. It's academic teaching. The interpretation of the Bible or the development of religious exercises or skill and so on. It's basically accumulation of the knowledge on history and tradition and theology. This is the knowledge. This is basically that religious teaching. When I have a teacher, we'll do this. History, tradition, and theology. The end result of this, it's a pro process, and this process often lead to one thing, self-admiring and being content, feeling superiority and feeling that I am spiritually better than somebody else because I know more if I am a teacher. But what about the Christian service? If you allow me, I will kill Mabal Arabi yani, as we speak. So please, <laughs> Lindsay, I apologize for this. If I say yani, a word here or there, uh, Nancy can help, right? Uh, but I'm going to repeat it, English and Arabic yani, anyways. So, the Christian service. What does it mean? It's mean. It means completely the contrast of the other thing. It focuses on the catechism and the reproof of oneself. To master my bodily desires. As a servant, I need to master myself, my desires, my ego, my feelings. And adopt the adoption of a warm and constant state of repentance in order to receive God's grace. How would I lead people to God's grace if I am not on this path myself? How am I telling people... This is the way you should do things. If I'm not doing it myself, I don't know the way, but I know it in theory, but not practicality. The end result of this process is self. I'm talking about the service itself. The end process of this process is self-abandonment, surrender myself or oneself to God, 
foregoing an open and honest relationship with the others and a constant and reverent engagement in the worship itself. Basically, we may say that while religious teaching without service, only the teaching, tends to inflate our heads, we think we are something. As the Gospel says, St. Paul said this, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So even he said this, knowledge puffs up, that inflate my head. Christian service fills the spirit with reverence, love, and humility. For this reason, it is necessary to discuss the qualities of the spiritual service. Let's talk about the spiritual service itself. So that just instruction and teaching do not become burden on the soul. Okay, first we need to understand the significance difference between this religious teacher and the spiritual servant. I may be both of them. I may be a spiritual servant, and the same exact time, I'm teaching. So the first, which is this teacher part, relays information. I read something yesterday or the day, Sunday morning, and you're, you're Sunday school on Saturday, right? So Saturday morning, I read something, and at the evening, I just, um, just dump it on the children and relay a message, basically. But the second one, which is the servant, builds the soul of the of of the, being, the people who are being served. The teacher extracts knowledge from books and places it in front of the students. And I mean teacher and student. I meant to put these two words. Get a knowledge from a book and put in as a teacher and put in front of the, 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 the kids or the students. But yet the servant shares the inner part, the riches of his faith or her faith with his love, with his self-sacrifice and humility. You see, there's a big difference between a teacher and a servant. This servant provides genuine experience and a living example of his or her service that they have to give. And it is his or her own life that she offers or he offers. In other words, his experience, not of knowledge, but his experience with God. What happened during all of these years? How did I come over here? This is exactly what I'd like to relay the message and lead the others with me. There are so many different types of services. A service doesn't have to be a teacher who, who opens his mouth and talk. But we can, so many different types of services, we, we, we will get to that. You know, it's really interesting. This morning I was talking to somebody in the church this morning and say, we want you to come and serve. I said, okay, I'm coming to wash the... Uh, the floors and wash the, the places and clean outside here. So she herself started thinking, that's the service. This is the real service. And this tells me this is a servant. He's not, or she's not, or he's not coming to come to teach, but he's coming to serve. I was talking to Shadi earlier this morning and say, oh, we are servants. Because I was passing these plates, and he said, Abuna, Right? I'm the servant of the servants. Because the servant, or khaddam, in Arabic, right? In English it is, I cannot really, I don't find a second word for it. But the servant, who is the servant in a house? Who is the one who really serve his master? Right? I'm here to serve my master, God, and his people, <laughs> his kids, his family. So because 
all of the children, his family, I'm serving him and his family too. The first one, which we talked about, the teacher part, transmit words and concepts. And the second one, the servant, again one more time, brings forth words and concepts from within. And outpouring this rises from his depth. The teacher also prepares a lesson to convince his listeners. Yet the servant labors and works hard to give birth in children of children in Christ. It's not an easy task. Therefore, we must say that there is also a big difference between a student who sits for instructions in religious religion class with a promise that he was going to pass the test versus somebody being served and the obedient servant who places his hand into the hand of his spiritual guide and follows his counsel and reverences and reverence. So big difference here. You follow me? Okay, such a guide will be constantly asking himself this question. What can this servant do to overcome his sin and grow the spirit? I'm talking about the servant now. Are we pure? Are we that pure that we were called to be servants? Are we that good that we became servants? That Because we're different than others. Definitely the answer is no. Because if you really think about it, the servant is below everybody. This, the church taught us something that Abuna and I, three times a year, we come to your feet and wash your feet three times a year. Because Jesus himself did this. He was serving his disciples. And we have to continue. That's why we call it an apostolic church. What does it mean? Whatever we learn from Jesus to the apostles comes all the way down to today, till today. So it's called an apostolic church. It's a big difference that when we say apostolic church, it's not the Protestant apostolic church. It is we are the apostolic church, right? And they are too. In summary, this Christian servant is not just a teacher of a lesson, but is in the first place a leader of the souls to salvation. We are entrusted of the children's souls to take them to salvation. It's a very, very important Role. The first priority and the central preoccupation of this Christian service is to lead the souls of men and women to repentance and to train the young in the path of virtue and fear of God. If we can keep this in front of us at all times, what is the reason of the service? Whether I am cleaning the floors or I am teaching in high, in high school or first grade or whatsoever, my only one goal is to take these kids and lead them in the path of salvation. This is the only thing we want from any servant, whether he is a servant, a buna, or a, or a pope, all the way up. This is one thing that the church wants from all of these people, is to lead the people being served to salvation. In the, on the way, of course, there will be lots of bumps, lots of things that will make us not very happy and obstacles that we have to, to overcome. Let's talk about the lesson of love. If one time that I will ask you, as a servant, please go and speak about love to your children. What do we do? The lesson of love can never be taught simply by prearranged words. Go tell them, okay, love each other. 
I love you, you love me, it's just empty words. Rather, it is taught by truly giving yourself and communicating the love and longing for Jesus to those who serve. I have to love them first, to teach them to love each other, by then the lesson it's been portrayed. But I have to start showing love. If I don't love them, rest assured, the lesson will never be done, will never be taught. The servant's spiritual children will feel a contact with God's love through the warmth of my love as a servant, of your love as a servant. They will taste this love that is handed down to them from God as an inheritance, <clears throat> which is handed down from father to son. All of us, or some of us are fathers and mothers. We always, we know that we love our children. Do we tell them all the time when they were babies, even though they don't understand any word? Do we tell them, I love you, I love you, I love you, and they don't understand things. But we always hug them and give them this feeling of love. And do you grow up feeling the love? And do you grow saying, Daddy, I love you. Mommy, I love you. When do you learn the word love? But it did not start with words. It starts with feelings and actions. What about the, the lesson of truthfulness? I want to be an honest person, and I want to teach the children to be truthful and honest. The integrity, this integrity cannot be taught simply by sharing a few words, saying, be honest, don't cheat. And reciting a few Bibles, Bible verses and singing some nice songs. This, mess, this will never be, the lesson will never be carried on. It is delivered through the tough task of leading spiritual children one by one over the rocky and costly pathway of life. I need to show them that I am, first of all, trustworthy. I am an honest person, that they see my actions and they follow my actions. It happens several times in my encounter with mothers that I, of course, being a priest has been a very short time, but I encounter mothers a lot, and I ask them, do you pray at home? So, of course, Ibuna, I pray at home. I go to my room, and I close my door, and I pray at home. I said, no. As a mom, I'm going to ask you completely the opposite. The Bible tells me so, that I go to my room, close my... I don't let everybody know that I'm praying. But as a mom, and as a dad, completely the opposite I want you to do. Go outside and Raise your hands at a specific time of the every day and show your children and your house that you are praying. This is the real thing. This is the real lesson. Rather than telling your children, go, go pray. I want you to go to church and you want to, to pray Agbeya the 11th hour every day when we have like a teenager or somebody bigger enough. Unless they see me do this, they will never do it. Unless they see an actual practical uh, something that happens, it's happening every day in front of them, they will never get the lesson. So I ask my mom, the moms, and say, please do this every day. And by then, I assure you, when they come and complain, my children, they're not praying. My children are not fasting. My children are not being in the church. It starts, doesn't start with the church. It starts with you, mom. It starts with you, dad, at the home, every day. And from there it will go. What about the lessons of humility? This lesson of humility cannot be taught by intellectual persuasion, but only by the prolonged and bitter struggle 
again it's one's ego and one more time the people being served they have to look at me do i have a big head they have a big ego that i feel like i am better than the other servant in the other other class because my class has 20 people and the other one has only 10 and my attendance is very good they come every time so i feel like i speak well i do well i i am better than the other one do i have big head do i have an ego if i have so i should not open my mouth and talk about humility because i don't have it unless i have it i can you know i, I won't be able to teach it sometimes the faithful hands of support must raise the soul from the stumbling block of the low self-esteem what I mean by this, our Coptic church is so humbling. All the time, all the time, and all the time. So humble yourself. Humble yourself. Be humble. And this sometimes leads big time to low self-esteem. That we say, I'm not worthy. And I keep saying I'm not worthy all my life. To the point that I'm not really worthy because I was taught so. But I have to get the balance. I have to get the buffer. I have to be in the middle. Not to have a big head and, and very high ego or no very low self-esteem. Yes, I'm worth a lot because God loves me. He himself came and died for me. Yes, I am worth a lot. But who am I? I need to humble myself. You understand the part? Come in, in the middle. Finally, I'm going to talk about the lesson of purity. Because this is something that we all struggle a lot how to teach it, knowing that the environment around us outside is very tough. And teaching us and everybody and all of our kids completely the opposite. What is purity? Purity is by the actions. Be nice to your neighbor. This is it. But the purity part itself, I'm free, the word free, to do anything I want. But this lesson of purity cannot be taught by informing spiritual children of the magnificent ideas or, you know, magnificent ideas um, or by describing uh, historical examples or reading the synexarium of having this pure, this pure lady or man that he became very pure and telling some stories or by training them by rules and, and techniques. Again, one more time, it's not the theory, but it's by action. Rather, it comes first and foremost through the servants willing to expose the spot in his, the spots in his children's lives. He needs to, to show first of, first of all herself and himself how the purity is. And when he sees something outside there with respect and in a private way, he tells them, her, him or her, to expose the, the wrong things. A mother cannot tolerate seeing her child being, forgive me, filthy. She has to clean him or her. She has to clean the child all the time. She doesn't, she doesn't say, that, oh, what am I doing? You know, I'm cleaning my child. This is so filthy. Why are you doing this? Of course, the child will do it because this is so natural. But what does the mom do? Clean the child without even thinking. And she's very happy to do this. And she touched this filth every day several times, and she's happy that she's done a good work. A good, a good work. Um, the servant does the same, does the same thing to his children's spiritual filth, not with resentment 
or bitterness, but rather with hope and seeing his, event, his eventual reformation. So he sees this filth being cleaned bit by bit, the spiritual filth. A real and true lesson such as these are taught to a spiritual children, lead them to eternal life, and they will grow through it, through their life. So when it's time for them to pass, then they have a taste of the beauty of what's gonna, what is waiting for us later on. The mind does not take does not take in these lessons through memorizations or accumulation of facts. Instead, the lessons are learned when a servant leads a soul through the fields of the spirit. Then, the counsels, the reproofs, the reassurance of the servants may be converted to faith, hope, and love in the children, and they may become manif manifest in their conduct and character. Again, one more time, I just summarize everything, saying. It is not by words, it's by action. And your action first will go through to the people being served. The lesson is not given at an appointed hour, but throughout the course of one's life. Because all of us went to school, all of us went to college, and I know that this is my curriculum, that I have to be at certain time at certain place to get a lesson. And I know this lesson happens from 9 to 10 or 9 to 11 on Monday. So I go. But in the church, it's different completely because it's not only Sunday school that I attend, but it is this community that I feel and I live with and this my community at home that I live all my life being taught on daily basis how to be pure, how to love, how to be truthful, and so on. How awesome and dignified is this service. It's really awesome. And how good is, this, is the trustworthy of the loyal servant? St. Matthew said this, Learn from me, Jesus, written in St. Matthew's Gospel, says, said this, Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am lowly in heart. You call me teacher, this is written in St. John, Jesus also said this, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord, if I am then your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. This is exactly what I told you before. That's why the church in her wisdom teach us this way. And tell Abuna to do this way. Three times a year, Abuna, on his knees, wash people. Wash people's feet. Okay, this is just a very simple comparison between a teacher and a servant. That's why, Samah and I, we had little talk earlier. We need to scratch completely from our language the word teacher. We don't have teachers here. When we say we have Sunday school teachers, we don't want to say this word. The word is Sunday school servants. So we're not Sunday school teachers. We are Sunday school servants. So let's think of this all the time. And if I say it wrong because I used to say it, please correct me. Right? All of us. <laughs> um, what is this nature of this Christian service? There is a nature. Everything has its own nature. 
ايه الجوهر بتاع الخدمه احنا اتكلمنا على الخادم الخادم دون خادم فيرسس مدرس رايت بس ناو وات از ذس نيتشر ذا نيتشر اوف ذا سيرفيس اتسلف اوف ذا كريستيان سيرفيس ذا التيميت كرايتيريا اوف ذا كريستيان سيرفيس از فور لترز ال او في اي ات از لوف This is the only thing that will make a service as a Christian service. Love. Anything under love will be absorbed, will be taken. Any bad things and stumbling blocks that we'll feel under these four letters will be taken and absorbed. In Corinthian, 1 Corinthians, St. Paul said this, Through I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, But have not love, it profits me nothing. I'm going to read it again. Though I bestow all my goods to be fed to the poor. I'm going to give up everything I have and give it to the poor. And though I give my body to be burned, even I'm going to give up my body to be burned. Yet I don't have love. I didn't do all of this in love. It profits me nothing. So I give up all of my belongings, even my body, not in love. It's not going to profit me nothing. Love is the ultimate criteria of Christ's service. Any criteria used to measure our service other than love is merely human measurement. It's not godly measurement. When I say, okay, I'm very organized, I come on time, I see the lessons very well, no mistakes there, but all of this, human measurements, it's our measurements. But what is God's measurement, really? It is love. Do I love to be here in the church, first of all? Do I love my people being served? Do I love my other servant? Do I love Abuna? Do I love and love and love and love? Make sense? The word love. And I found three big areas of love. We can talk about them. First of all, love of God. As a driving motive for every service rendered, from the smallest to the greatest. So as St. John said this, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Jesus asked him, do you love me? This is God asking. That's why this is the love of God. And of course, he said yes. So he told him what? Tend my sheep. When he said yes, right? So right away, if he said yes for love, you're ready to go. Then the love for those served as an image of Christ, because all of these children or being, people being served, they are the image of Christ. And St. Matthew said this, assuredly, I say to you, Of course, all of this written in the Gospels, but Jesus himself is saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So if I don't love them, so whatever I did to them, I did to Jesus. I did to God. And the last thing, which is the love for the church itself, as the body of Christ and the dedication to protecting it from degeneration and weakness. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, St. Paul said this, even so, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Is it the edification of me? Is it the edification of those people, spiritual one or two? It's for the church. Because we are the church. This group sitting together are the church. We are the community that builds the church. I'm almost done, so uh, bear with me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yes, we love and we do our best to keep loving at all times. But does this love stays? Is it strong love forever? I would tell you, no, we're always going ups and downs like this. It happens all the time that we have distortions, distortions in our love and our relationship with God and with others. There are many factors that contribute to this distortion of Christian love. I meant to say the word distortion, but it is not vanished. It's still there, but in a lower, lower measure, right? The most dangerous factor is certainly one's personal, personal godliness. I feel like God. <laughs> Forgive me. I feel like I'm better. So I'm loving myself and I want people to love me because I'm better. Be careful. Be careful. When the service becomes merely a show, that I'm standing, look at me, I, I'm, I'm talking to you now, I'm on the podium, I'm making a show, I am talking, and you're looking at me, and lots of you are smiling because I'm making some moves. It's a show. If I came here to make it a show, I lost completely everything, because I love myself. If I'm doing it this way, because I love myself rather than love whoever being served, and the church, and God, of course. So when the service becomes merely a show for one's own piety or self-righteousness, begins to grow in a place of the holy love. The reason this is the most damaging factor because it deceives the servant by making his service look vibrant and successful from the outside. The deception can be prolonged almost indefinitely because he's happy or she's happy doing this indefinitely while the work remains a service lacking in any spiritual gift or worthiness before God. Do we call this service anymore? It's not going to be service because it doesn't have, God, it doesn't have the love of God. Three distortions of this Christian life. And this is the last thing, seriously, I'm going to talk about today. Those are the three things that we've seen happen all the time that causes this love to faint, to be diluted. The excessive concern with results. The servants experiences joy in times of success, but despair in times of failure. He's always looking for the results. Are they coming every week? Did they understand? When we have a competition and we have to El uh, Karaza, do we get our trophy? Do we get, are we the best lead? Uh, are we the best team among all of the churches? What are the results? What did I do to make my team is the best team. The results, I'm really concerned about the results. When they are excessive, concern about the results, the love of the people being served are distorted. I'm concerned about the results more than the people. Make sense? The excessive attention paid to the administration and minute details of service more than the souls being served. God bless Sam. He want to make sure. I'm sorry, Sam. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to make sure that everything is done. Sam Hamin al I'm sorry, and if I, and that's why I'm using him here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I cannot go there, Yabuna. Mean Hamin al I cannot take examples there. Yeah. <laughs> um, if if Amin al is really concerned about the administration. 
that you have to be there on time and every class is being taken care of and, and, and whatever administration things is are and we're not serving people rather than we're organizing the service. Where is the love here? I'm loving the picture outside that I have an organized service. But do I love the people being served? Am I leading them to their salvation? And the last thing, the lack of growth of love among those being served. An extension of this is an excessive attachment to the servant rather than God. If I am the servant and my focus on to the children that I want them to love me rather than love God, isn't a distortion of love? It's big time. Because now I'm coming here to make sure that I am... The show I'm talking about here, I am performing the show very well. And what happens after this? They love me. This clown in front of us, he's doing a good job, right? He's doing a good show. So they love this clown. I'm talking about myself only. <laughs> My point is, this is the love we need to have. I love the people. I love them to the extent that I want to take them from here and lead them to salvation. Let us focus all the time. This is the main reason of our presence here as servants. My people that I'm serving, I want them to go to paradise. To meet them in the future. Live together with Jesus, with God, forever. Because we'll meet again. One day, God willing, in how many years ahead of us. All of us will pass. But we're going to meet again. But we're going to meet again in much, much better place. A clean and beautiful place like this, but much, much better than that. And we'll live together in happiness forever. And glory be to God forever. Amen. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net. That's www.stbasil.net. Or click on the link below when it will take you to our donations page. You may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website. We thank you for any contribution, and may our Lord Jesus Christ always bless your heart and home.